Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. So, as uh, we were saying the the other day, uh, the this topic is about the the existence of God, which is a very important topic, and in fact, is the first is the first statement of the profession of faith or decree. I believe. I believe in God, God the Father. Then we say we believe in God the Son, Jesus Christ, in God the Holy Spirit, in the Church. All these. Uh, articles of the creed or all these truths of faith of, of Christianity. And when we talk about, in general, about the existence of God, we, we speak about two kinds of ways of accepting or understanding the existence of God. And one is the, the natural knowledge of God through creatures. So the church following the tradition of, of the Jews, following the normal understanding, uh, holds and teaches that God, the first principle and last end of all things can be known with certainty from the created world by the natural light of human reason. So uh, let me say, first of all, that uh, the, the, the topic of God, the existence of God, is there God? This famous question is, is a question which is uh, printed, is, is, is in our heart, because we as human beings, whatever, you believe God or money, God or mammon, God or whatever, or no God. We are religious people. We need to believe in something. And this is something which is very much in, in our way of being. We are religious beings. And we can't ignore that we believe in something. This is part of our being. If you believe in God and then you behave accordingly, then you will have a good life. If you believe in money and in wealth, mammon, as it's in the Bible, you know, the God of materiality, then you will have a, a, a life according to this materiality. Because uh, we live according to what we believe. And we believe according to what we live. Then uh, there is a moment in which we need to adjust our lives to what we believe, what God has revealed to us, what God has told us according to the plans of God, or we live according to our own plan, to our own will beliefs. What we perceive, what we believe is the truth. Anyway, but uh, this is important because Faith 
is always there, always. For those who say there is God and for those who deny the existence of God, there is always faith. We need to believe something. So this is why since the believing in God, knowing God affects our whole life and the meaning of our life, uh, the existence of God is not just an intellectual act. It's not just an understanding that there is God, not only, but it's, it, it entails the whole person. Therefore, the moral effort, the moral aptitude to live according to these standards established by God. Then, uh, and it's not only that, it's also the willing to know God is also the intention to know him better. And therefore, if the proper moral dispositions are lacking, then we just ignore this or we just go against it, which is at the end of the day, the attitudes. We have in front of, of the issue, the topic of God, at the end of the day, we have three attitudes. And at the end of the day, two attitudes. Yes to God, no to God. No to God in a conscious way or against God or ignoring him, indifference. But the results are the same, no God. We live our life in a complete uh, way which is indifferent, which is against God. So, uh, a person who wants to believe, a person who seeks the truth, a person who is wondering, who is asking questions, the typical questions of why are we here? Where are we going? Where are we coming from? What is the, the purpose of our lives? The person who asks these questions, which are not just philosophical questions, but they are vital questions. And everybody wants to know the purpose of, of, her, of his, her life, everybody. And everybody wants to know, why am I here? Where I'm going? What is my fi final destiny? Why are we here in this world, working from seven or eight, not till five or seven, no? I mean, and then on the following day, and then Monday to Sunday, this is the pace of life, and then, we are growing up, we are going to study, and then we grow up, we have a family, and then we die. And that's all. What, what, what happens with all the bounds of love, affection? What happens with everything I have got to know? What happens with all the beauty I have seen? What happens with all the good things I have enjoyed? What happens with my sufferings? What is the purpose of all this? When we are start asking these kind of questions, which are essential for the life of any human being. And if you study the history of humanity and you go to the different religions, you will see that the answers are given to these questions in a good or a better way. But they are always trying to, to give an answer because this is what we are. And to ignore all this is to ignore reality. Obviously, you can give also the wrong answer and to adjust your life according to materialism in many different manifestations. And then, 
at the end of the day, you see also the consequences because to believe in the existence of God is not just my own belief. It's something which is linked, it's something which is related to the rest of the people around me. Our belief is not individual. This is why when we pray the creed, we pray in, in singular, but we pray together. We pray in the assembly of God. We pray it in the church. When we believe in God, we believe in God, not only as, as, as individuals separately, but we need to join those uh, that God has uh, given, those who have received also the gift of faith. No? We, we need to realize also that my life, I am a creature, I have been created, and this other person has also been created. And therefore, if we come from the same God, there is something which unites us. And therefore, if we deny the existence of God, I don't have anything to do with this person. You know, there was a very famous writer, a Russian world. Maybe you have read one of his books because he wrote quite a lot, Fyodor Dostoyevsky. Dostoyevsky is the one who wrote the Karamas of Brothers. No, I mean, he wrote Crime and Punishment. He wrote the Idiots. No, I mean, the, the Demons. He wrote plenty of books. It's, it's a long story, no? but uh, one of his uh, <clears throat> quotations, very famous, is if there is no God, everything is allowed. If there is no God, there is no reason why I should respect the, the lives of the others. If there is no reason, the others become means, objects. They are something to get something else. If there is no God, everything is allowed. So uh, we are able to know the existence of God through the contemplation of creation, through the con contemplation of, of understanding you know, what is the last end of all things created. But also uh, we are able to prove the existence of God, not in a scientific way, but in a philosophical way. This is also using our intelligence. Every attempt to prove uh, the scientific existence of God is, is impossible. The, for a very simple reason, because God is a spiritual being. God goes beyond matter. And science only measures. But this measure is only material. The science cannot see what is a spirit. The science cannot understand, for instance, the creation. We believe in the creation. Science cannot prove that God has created. Why? Because it reaches till the very first moment. But beyond there, you cannot prove anything because there is nothing. This is why we need to use philosophical arguments to prove the existence of God. Obviously, I'm not going to give you a course of philosophy because it will be too long, but we will try something. No? Uh, <clears throat> so when we talk about the proofs, the ways of approaching the, the existence of God, no? from creation, we, we, we look at like two ways. No? I mean, 
on one hand, <clears throat> to, to start with, you know, I mean, we say we can see that there is God contemplating the creation. And then what is what we see when we look at the creation? We see, first of all, the physical world. And on the other hand, we see the human person. These are the two big issues of creation. The philosophers already understood, I mean, I'm talking about Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, no? and many others, no? or many days. Anyway. They understood that when we talk and we move beyond what we see, there are like three topics that we need to try to understand. I mean, uh, using our reason. The first one is God. The second one is the person. And the third one is the world. And then when we talk about God, from the philosophical point of view, we try to understand who is God? Why is there God? You know, when we look at the person, we try to look at the person. Why is the person? The doctors in medicine, you study the person, well, not from the philosophical point of view, asking for the last causes, why is there a man? But you open the person, I mean, the human body, and you check the liver, the lungs, you know, the stomach, you know, and then you study the, the, from this medical point of view. But you're not going to give me an answer. Why is there this? Why this person is here? Why? Where is it coming from? Why all this? This is the question. No? I mean, when we look at the world, we are not just looking at the world from the astronomic point of view. Astronomers, they are looking at the sky and they are seeing the stars. How big is the universe? For philosophy, the bigger, the, 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 the immensity of the universe is not the point. This why is there a universe? I am not interested in all the chlorophyllic or chlorophyll, whatever it is, no? I mean, process of all the plants, no? I mean, I am not interested in, in botanic, no? I am interested in why is there a physical world? What is the purpose of all this? Where is all this coming from? What is the end of all this? These are the last questions. And these are the questions of philosophy. Therefore, when we are approaching the existence of God and we look at the world, we realize that there are mainly two things, the physical world and the human person. Therefore, from the material world to God. Then St. Thomas Aquinas explains something uh, which they are the classical five ways of uh, proving the existence of God. I mean, and then from the philosophical point of view, and then he was looking at it and he was saying, well, if we look at everything in the physical world, we realize that there is movement, that there is becoming, that there is contingency. And, and there is an order and there is a beauty and there is a, a kind of degrees of perfection and then through these different uh, understandings of movement, movement, motion, becoming, change, you know, I mean, contingency, perfection, necessity or not. You know, I mean, from the order established in beauty, it's obvious and evident that a stone is just a material thing. And a plant is also a material thing. But what is more perfect, the stone or the plant? Obviously, the plant. When we look at 
the plants, no, the trees, everything. And when you look at the animals, what is more perfect? The animals or the trees? Obviously, the animals. And when we look at the animals and the human person, what is more perfect? The animals or the human person? Obviously, the human person. There is a degree of, of perfection. There is a quality of being. And therefore, depending on the quality of being, the things can be better or can be more limited. I mean, there, there is a possibility of having more change for good movement. You can become something else. And you have necessity of more things or less things, quality. There are many different things. No? I mean, and then uh, these are, I, I'm not going to enter because we don't have time. If you want to explain all this more thoroughly in another class. No? I mean, these are the famous five ways <clears throat> of St. Thomas Aquinas. I'm just going to announce them. Then uh, the first one, as I was saying, is based on movement is a broad sense of change. Movement is change. Not just the movement, geographical movement. No? I mean, the coordinates. No? I mean, from this point to this point. No? I mean, you don't need a GPS for you to see. So it's not just the geographical movement. It's philosophical movement from action to potency, from act to potency, from being something to being something else. There is a capacity of change. So it is evident that there are things which are moved by others. I can take the telephone, no, the telephone, and I move it. I am the mover, and this is the one moved. The telephone has the capacity from moving from this place or this another way. I have the capacity to move the telephone. And then there is a chain of movement till we reach the, the mover unmoved, the one who is not moved. Who is the one who is not moved and is moving everything God? And what happens if everything is a constant cycle of movement? Then we will deny movement. There is a moment in which not everything can be filled, can be a constant change. Because if everything is a constant change, there is a moment in which there is nothing else to change. There is something in which, at the end of the day, <laughs> everything has become an act. And therefore, you deny movement, which is not possible. It's exactly the same for you to understand as if you put a train going from Lagos to Enugu. There is a movement from Lagos to Enugu, and it's moving. But what happens if you put one wagon or another coach and another coach, and then you put all the railway from Lagos? Imagine that there is a train, no? I mean, a, a railway from Lagos to Enugu. I don't know. Uh, you put all the coaches, no? I mean, from Lagos to Enugu. There is a moment in which there is no movement. You have filled up the whole railway with coaches, and therefore the train cannot advance. It's always the same. Train. This is what happens with movement. In the time, in the, in the space of time, because everything happens in time, the constant movement, the constant change, if, if there is, in, in this chain of changes, there is not somebody who is moving, therefore there is a moment in which everything is in motion, everything is motion in a way that 
at the end of the day, I have built up the whole time with movement. And there is no more change. And this cannot be. It becomes absurd. You are denying something that it doesn't exist. Or you are saying something that exists. <coughs> so this is impossible. The second clue is more or less the same. No? But now, instead of being past, passing from act to potency or motion, now we call it the change of cause effect, causality, the principle of causality. So in a constant change of causes, cause effect, cause effect, there is an uncaused cause. There is something which is the cause of everything is the same. So movement, causality. The third way is that everything which is in this world is contingent, which means that maybe it didn't exist. It might not exist, might not have existed. So, and therefore, uh, for it, if it is possible for it not to exist, no? therefore, somebody has to be the one who is necessary. So by necessity, if the things are or they are not, there should be somebody who is. So otherwise, if we all of us, we are contingent, then at the same time, you ask, and then why are we here? Because there is somebody who is, who exists by necessity. This is a way of explaining that everything comes from God. And why do things are like this? Well, because he, uh, he has established it. This stone could be here or not, but it is. It exists. It could not have existed, but it exists. Who has established who has to exist? Why are we here? Who has established that we have to exist? So for there to be contingent beings, beings that maybe they are or they are not, <clears throat> there has to be a being which is necessary in itself and not through another. This absolute being, necessary being, is God. So in the same way that we have the mover who is unmoved, in the same way that we have the cost that is on cost, in the same way that we have a being which is necessary, this is the third way. And then the fourth way is the gradation found in things of to be, the gradation of, of things, the perfections. So there is a gradation, there is a graduation, a gradation. There is there is that there are different degrees. And then if there are different degrees, who has all these perfections? So this is the point. Uh, the, the most complete being possesses all the perfections. This is why we say God is not just good. I mean, to, to speak properly, we say God is not just good. God is goodness. God is not just beautiful. God is beauty. So the perfections, he contains all the perfections. And then, obviously, from this, I, I am summarizing a lot. I don't know if you are following me anyway. But from this, you get plenty consequences. Because beauty is something attractive. We like it. 
<clears throat> but the opposite of beauty is ugliness. And what is ugliness? Properly speaking, ugliness is nothing, is the absence of beauty. What is evil? Properly speaking, <clears throat> evil is nothing, is the absence of goodness. So this is why the perfections are have consistency. They are. The imperfections, they are lacking. They are nothing. They are absent. They are not the opposite of the perfection. So this is important, degradation of the being. The one who possesses all these perfections is God, who is perfect. And then there is a fifth way that uh, <clears throat> uh, starts with the, the, the order that we observe in the world, and especially the finality that we see in believing things. So uh, there is a purpose, there is a definitive, a concrete purpose. Then uh, we have, you know, uh, we have intelligence, we have will, we are free, and therefore all our actions are directed towards something. We want something, we wish something, we know something. And then we know the truth. We want to love something which is good and therefore we make a choice. We make a, a, an election, we use our freedom. Why? Because we want to be happy. And then the end of our lives is to be happy. If you read all the philosophers from any season, any era, what they want is how are we going to be happy? In many different ways, but at the end of the day, this is the point. In Christianity, in any religion, what is salvation? Everlasting happiness. Then this is an inner desire which is in our heart and we can't ignore it. Even if somebody wants something which is wrong, he believes, he knows, he misunderstands, he knows wrongly, he loves wrongly. Something that he's going to make, he's going to be happy if he does these things which is wrong. This is why it's so important, you know, uh, to know the, the finality in our lives, are, are directed towards happiness. And we can't ignore it. It's a fact. Even if a person feels sad, sick, depression, at the end of the day, what he wants is liberation from all this sadness. And he feels that if I commit suicide, I will be happy. I will be free from all this. This is why the virtue of hope, the human hope, as you realize, there are many, many things involved in this issue of the existence of God and in this way of understanding you know, the different truths of the existence of God. But not only these are the five ways of St. Thomas Aquinas, but not only that, but also looking at the human person, from the human spirit to God. First of all, uh, well, obviously, we want to know the truth. We want to love what is good. This is why uh, when we uh, try to, to understand what is the truth, 
what is good. When we try to understand the purpose of our intelligence, will, and therefore our freedom, and when we follow the voice of our conscience, which is this moral judgment of what is good and what is wrong, then it shows that there is something spiritual. There is a spiritual soul. So our intelligence and will go beyond all the material world. We are not animals, we are rational beings, rational animals. In spite of all our mistakes, in spite of all our misunderstandings. But it's a fact that there is a spirituality in the human being. Even those who deny the existence of a spirit, they are reasoning with their own spirit. And there is a contradiction. And sooner or later, even at the very last moment of their lives, they have to face the reality of their spirit. So the existence of God from this path from the human point of view, you know, from the human spirit, starts you know, recognizing precisely that there is a spiritual being in our, in our lives. We have a spiritual soul different from the animals. So this spiritual being can only have its origin in God. Who has given me this existence? Why am I able to think and I look at the apes and I realize that for thousands of years, the apes are still apes. The monkeys are still monkeys. And we have evolved and we have progressed and we have used our intelligence and will and the monks because they are monks. They don't have a spiritual soul. So we can also say precisely, as I was saying before, the desire for happiness, which is in our heart, which is in our life, we look for joy. And also, something which is very important and Pope Benedict XVI and also Pope Francis is in the tradition of the church. We, as human beings, were able to enjoy beauty. Why do we need music? We don't want noise. We want music, harmony, symphony. Why do we look at some movies? Why do we read novels? Why do we, they will contemplate, no, I mean, the, the end, the dusk, you know, at the end of the day or the beginning of the day, the dawn, you know, I mean, we look at the coming out of the sun or the sun going down and we look at the beauty of the creation. This is nice. Well, because there is a capacity of contemplating beauty which nobody else appreciates. This is why the lack of understanding beauty, the lack of understanding appreciating things, it's a kind of, of destroying the capacity of knowing God. This is why in all civilizations, those who have recognized God, you see the works of art. You see that, that what they have built, the temples. This is a manifestation of faith, of believing in God. I have to give to God something which is beautiful, and this is not acceptable. So there is also, and now we talk about the possibilities of denying the existence of God, denying God. Uh, the, the, the grasping, the understanding of the existence of God is not self-evident uh, for the man. The existence of God is not self-evident. When I say self-evident means that you see God. No, 
we cannot see God. And therefore, uh, maybe we can choose to say yes to God or we can turn hmm, his back. We can turn our back to God, to be true. So then usually uh, with all this uh, denying the existence of God, we have like two attitudes, you know, the, what is called atheism or atheism, which is always, most of the times, based on a false conception of human autonomy. Which is always rejecting, refusing any idea of God. But obviously, the, the existence of God, the, the acknowledging the existence of God is not opposed to the dignity of the human person, just the opposite. Then nowadays also the atheism, this could be another chapter, no, has many ramifications. No? But nowadays there is something which is very much in fashion, no? as if science is going to explain everything. So we don't need God. God, as, as somebody used to say, no, is not just the opium of the people. No? God is something for, for children. Now we have mature, and therefore we cannot just believe in God, because this is to go back. You have to wake up. You need to be able to say, you know, as Emmanuel Kant, another philosopher, used to say, you know, be there to know. Sapere aude, he used to say it in Latin. No? Be there to know. And then, as if there would be a kind of contradiction between knowing God and uh, knowing the truth, the truth that is given to us by science. And this is a problem nowadays, is that we are reducing the truth to what science explains. What is not explained scientifically, it does not exist. And this is a big failure, because the most important things cannot be explained, proved by science. Think, for instance, of the love of the mother for the children. <coughs> can you measure, can you know how much love do you have the mother has for her children? Science cannot explain. So there are many things which are not explained by science. Anyway, this is what nowadays, many times, the atheists are claiming. So we need to move on. We need to reject the idea of what besides, no, they also say you know, that religion is because of many problems for human beings, no? fundamentalism, you know, and so on. Then another way of understanding also uh, this non-existence of God is a practical way, which is agnosticism. Atheism means no God, agnosticism means I don't know, agnostic, which is very much in fashion. But in practical terms, at the end of the day, what they are doing is to live like if there is no God. So uh, it does not deny the existence of God, but it does not affirm the existence of God. And at the end of the day, you are living as you wish, as if there is no God. So all these are ways of understanding uh, the existence of God, which is more or less known. So, but then, uh, as I was saying at the beginning, no, I mean, there is, uh, there is a way of knowing God in a natural way, as we have explained, no? the natural revelation through creation, no? looking at the world, looking at the human person. And there is also a revealed religion. God has revealed. So uh, this revelation 
we will go a bit deeper, no? When we will talk about uh, the sacred scripture, no? and so on. No? But what I wanted to emphasize here and now is just a very simple thing. There is only one true religion, and there is only one God. I'm saying this because when we talk about revealed religion, there are many prophets, there are many religious leaders all along the history of humanity. But there is only one God. And then we believe, because God has revealed to us through the chosen people, no, comes the Messiah. Therefore, and this is the point, when we talk about revealed religion, we look at the Islam, we look at the Jews, we look at many other different religious Buddhist Confucianists, no? many different civilizations and traditions of humanity. And then we realize that there are many religious leaders, but there is only one God. And we as Christians, we believe that the true religion is the one <clears throat> that was revealed by God to Abraham. And from there, the three monotheistic religions come out. And the continuation of the faith of Abraham is precisely Jesus Christ. And this is the difference between Christianity and the rest of the religions and all the religious leaders. We believe that Jesus Christ is not another prophet. Is not somebody else. It's the same God who is speaking to us. We will talk about it on, on, another, on another class, if you want, no? because there is, there is a long issue we we'll talk about it in, with Jesus. No? I mean, but obviously, there is only one revealed religion. No? Well, with this, we finish this topic. I don't know if you have more questions, but now, you know, I have to leave right now because it's a bit late. I don't know if there were some questions. Uh, okay, so what is the question? Uh, some unfortunate circumstances and they start without God's existence. How can, do we explain that God is the mover of things, situations in the world? Well, uh, yes, God is the mover and there is evil and there is the freedom, no? but this is another issue that we will talk. Uh, but uh, in spite of everything which is wrong, in spite of everything which happens, which is evil, which is the consequence of our wrong use of freedom, God is able to get a, a lot of good. <coughs> a lot of good. How is it going to happen? Well, this is the providence. There are many things. And then this is the difference between the pagans, that they believe in fate, destiny. We believe in God's providence. We believe in, in, in a way when God created the world, everything was good. Whatever happens in this world, even if it is wrong, we don't know how, God allows it to happen. And this is also good. This is the openness of faith. But we will see because this is not just a kind of consolation, cheap consolation. It's something that with faith no? and looking at, at the, what God has suffered for us, we understand better. Mm. This is the only way of explaining the evil in the world. The consequences of evil affects all of us. And when there is injustice, it's because somebody has become uh, evil. And then we suffer the consequences. But it doesn't mean that we are abandoned, that this suffering is the end. This is why 
When Jesus died on the cross, he did it in order to assume all the suffering of everybody. No, nobody can say that God does not know what I have suffered. Well, we stop here and we will see the next time. Okay. Let us pray. Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Amen.